All right. Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Yud Zayin in Maseches Yuma. Careful of those Dafim that look so small. Sometimes they can be feisty. Okay. But we start with the Rav Ada Bered of Yitzchak Amar, which is the second line on Yud Zayin Amad Aleph. In order to orient you, I sent you a text and just so that we're all on the same page to catch up to where we are. So the first text was just a visual of Birnbaum looking at the Kotel Hamaravi. Suppose you had a square, just so we understand what, what we're talking about when we're on the west, north, south, and east side. Uh, it occurred to me, as uh, we were learning with Birnbaum, it occurred to me that maybe it's not so obvious what moving to the right means, what moving to the left means. So just look at that first visual. What you see is, Birnbaum's nose exaggerated so that you could tell which way he's facing. He's davening to the western wall of a structure, right? That's him being at the western wall. Now, let me ask you this, Andrew. If Birnbaum were to walk to the right, which would be the next wall that he would see? Uh, Robinson's Arch. Right, the southern wall excavation. Right, so, so, so he'd be... Robinson's Arch on the west, so he'd walk around to the right. To the, it is, if he's facing the wall... Exactly. And, that's a, and the black dome. And the black dome, exactly. So, so, so turning to the right means counterclockwise. Correct. Right, okay. And so he, it would be west and then south and then east and then uh, north and then back up to the west. That's, that's the first visual. The second one that you have there is really where we pick up the topic, which is the discrepancy between... What we said in Tomid and what we said in Midos. Now, I apologize, it's not so neat, but uh, it's important to understand like this. The way that works is as follows. When we learned Rabbi Lazar and Yaakov's famous Maseches Midos, that's the one, that's the uh, image on your left, that particular Mishnah, okay, is very explicit. In other words, it says, now we're back to talking about the four different offices, the four different Lashkos, in the Beis HaMokad. Uh, mind you, uh, just, to rem- just to orient you even further, just like Rav Shimon Ish HaMitzpeh wrote Maseches Yuma, Rashi explained yesterday, so too Rabbi Lezim and Yaakov wrote Maseches Midos, and we said, how do we know? We challenged it a couple of times. The first way we did it was by comparing Maseches Midos to Maseches Tamid as far as the orientation of the four offices in the Beis HaMokad. Uh, then, then yesterday we spent a lot of time also talking about the line of sight from the coin sarf of Sapara and say, was Maseches Midos like, uh, what was it like, um, Rabbi Yehuda who put the Mizbech in the middle of the, of the, uh, Zara or was it like Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov? We said, of course it's like Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov. That's, that was the end of yesterday where we talked about how when Maseches Midos discusses the orientation of the Mizbech in the Azara, it's, it's much more to the, South portion of it, and therefore not smack in the middle. And there's a line of sight uh, for the coin surface Napara past the Mizbeach. And so we don't say that the reason why we lower the eastern wall is because of Rabbi Yehuda. It is because of Rabbi Lazar bin Yaakov's extra step within the Azara. That was yesterday. But today we go back to the original thing, which is Midos versus Tamid. When we read Midos versus Tamid, it sounded like Midos was a different Tana, it's a Machlokas Tanaim, and that Rabbi Lezer ben Yaakov is the Tana of Masechus Midos as we discussed. However, 
we are going today to spend our time, most of it, trying to reconcile the different accounts of where the offices were in Maseches Midos versus Maseches Tamid. Now, um, so as I was beginning to say, Maseches Midos, all of those uh, offices are actually spelled out in the Mishnah. In other words, the Mishnah says, the northeast corner is the Mizbech where they put the stones. The northwest corner, as you see in the, uh, right, in the, in the thing I drew there, is the Mikvah, right, where they would go down to the Mikvah. The southwest corner was where they had the Tzlaim, the Tzon, right, the, uh, uh, animals for the Korbanos. And the southeast corner is where they had the Lechem upon him. That is explicit in Midos. There's no way to read it any other way. Maseches Tamid is very, very different. Maseches Tamid says that the Tzlaim was a northwest corner, and then it starts to list the other, um, the other offices in the following order. Lechem Apanim, then Beis HaMokad, and then the Chosamos. Now, the way I drew it was very confusing. Forget about um, the one and the two. The one and the two basically comes into whether you're going to go clockwise or counterclockwise. Um, so, it, so in the order, I think I said the wrong order. It says Tlaim, I'm sorry. It says Tlaim, then Chosamos, then Beisamoka, then Lechem Apanim. That's what it says. So why am I saying this? Because the, it goes, the original thing that the Gemara assumes is that the Mesechas Tamid, just like Mesechas Midos, is going to go, like we said, counterclockwise to the right, because after all, we know that we normally go to the right. And the reason we need all this background is because if you just read the Gemara, without recall of where each Masechet said, where each office is, you can get easily very lost. So I think this visual is very helpful. So with that, we're going to try to figure out, is there a way to reconcile Tamid and Midos? Now, when you look at it, you see clearly already that there's certain issues. Number one, it's not the same offices, right? Midos has Tlaim and Lechem Apanim, just like Tamid does. Right, they both have those. However, the Tlaim and the Lechem Apanim, albeit in Tamid and Amidos, they're both uh, uh, they're oriented where the Tlaim is on the western side and the Lechem Apanim is on the eastern side, as, as you can see. Even though that's the case, in Midos they're on the southern, along the southern wall, and in Tamid they're along the northern wall, uh, based on the original way that we thought it was. Um, besides that, it's all different kinds of offices. The Talmud mentions the Chosamos, and the Midos does not. The Midos mentions the stones of the Mizbeach were kept in the, in the northeast. The Talmud doesn't mention that. So the ones that are only mentioned in Talmud and only mentioned in Midos, we already reconciled based on Tosfos that these, some of these offices were just multi-purpose. That you just had, uh, for example, where the stones of his back were kept, you could also keep the Chosamos, which were the vouchers that people would buy uh, when they went to the vendors in the, for, for their different things, their, their wheat, their oil, their animals, etc. The only ones, therefore, where we really saw Stira, so yesterday we discussed the Tlaim, where the Talmud says it's northwest, and the Mido says it's southwest. And today we'll also address the Lechem Aponim, where again, the Talmud says it's the, the in Masechus Midos, it says for sure that it's in the southeast. And in Masechus Tamid, we actually are going to discuss, is there a scenario where it could also be in the southeast? Again, the whole issue is, uh, the whole way we're going to reconcile it is that Tamid is ambiguous. Whereas Midos, it says it's Beferish, Tamid just tells you that 
Tlaim is in the northwest, then has a list that we assume is in a specific order, and then we're going to break that assumption in an effort to reconcile the two. So that is our introduction, Andrew. Without further ado, we're going to get right into it. So, Rav Ada Berei de Rav Yitzchak Amar. Rav Ada Berei de Rav Yitzchak is going to try to reconcile Talmud and Midos. And how does he do so? As follows. He says, Hi, Lishka Aksuye Mikatsya. Right, just like aksuye means like the edge, just like kates kol basar balifanai. When Hashem says, "I've had it with humanity," ador amabul, and He says, "I'm going to." It's the end. This is the end. So aksuye mektsaya means it's kind of like at the end. What does that mean? It means as follows: that again, at this point, excuse me, he's just reconciling the tlaim, where the tlaim and midos are on the southwest, and in tamid on the northwest. He says, "You know what this is? This is the west wing." This is the West Wing. The Talaim office, when we see these offices, it looks like it's just boxes in the corner, okay? But it wasn't really like that. What it really looked like was the Talaim was one long giant office that was the West Wing that took up more, most of the entire West side of the Beis Mokad. That being the case, what you then have is a situation where what says the Gemara? If a person standing on the south is going to, it's going to look like it's on the north, and a person standing on the north is going to look like in the south. This is our Adabarit of Yitzchak's reconciliation. Basically, what he's saying is that even though it sounds like it's on the southwest in Midos and on the northwest in Tamid, it's really perhaps. Um, just both true, where it's basically both, according to both of them, it's on the west side. It's just that to the Tamid, they're saying that it's on the north because it extends to the north. And in Midos, it says the south because it extends to the south. But really, it's just taking up most of the entire west wing. That is the reconciliation, and therefore, it's not necessarily a stira that one says northwest and the other says southwest. That was his suggestion. Now, Andrew, I, I see you peeking at this Tosfos. Don't, you're, you're going to drive yourself crazy because um, Tosfos brings tons of other suggestions. And like Rabari Leibowitz, the great Tafiomi master, says, they're not really necessarily mokrach. Um, they're attempts, attempts to reconcile it. An important thing that, Rabbi, uh, that he says also is, you know, before, yesterday, we had a machlokas between Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Elizabeth Yaakov as to the location of the Mizbech. That we didn't know either. And there, you know, once we heard it was a machlokas, we backed off. We said, yeah, okay, it's a machlokas tonight. We weren't so upset. Why here are we making such great efforts to line up where all the lishkos are? So even though, as Birnbaum points out, it's a machlokas and it's, it's like, it's worse than a usual. This isn't really a matter of opinion, right? It's a matter of sort of like a historical fact. So you, in other words, there is a right answer where one is wrong and the other is right. You think, therefore, that we'd make an even greater effort to, uh, you know, to, to, to figure out what the answer is. So, so, Rivari Leibowitz says, listen, when we have a record of it being a machlokas tonight, there's nothing you can do. Then you know that it was a machlokas. But here we don't really have uh, any record saying, oh, this is something that the tonight argued about. We just have uh, Midos and Tamid sounding like you're talking about a different thing. But if we could possibly find a common thread between them, then maybe we could arrive at the actual reality of how it was. And, and so it is worthwhile to try to reconcile it in the absence of any evidence that there is, in fact, a machlokas. Okay. So now, now Rav Ada, in his statement, concludes by saying the following, And he says, and it makes sense that 
even though I just said that the that the Talaim office, where the where the uh, animals were, took up the entire west wing, it makes sense that Midos is a little bit more correct that it's sort of more in the southwest. So, in other words, we've reconciled the problem of the Talaim uh, sounding like they're either in the northwest or the southwest by saying that it was one long. Um, office along the west side, but even in that reconciliation, Midos is more correct because it's more to the to the south than it is to the north, which is to say that any other office that we would have perhaps would be uh, to the north of it as opposed to the south of it. So it's running along the west side, but really more so on the southern side. Why do we say that? Mimai, from when do we know this? Because we have a certain contradiction with regards to not only the Talaim, but now we're addressing the other stira, which is where is the location of Lechem Apanim. So as we've said before, in Midos it's fixed. It says that the Lechem Apanim is in the southeast corner, as, as you have in your um, diagram there. In Tamid, however, where is the Lishka of the Lechem Apanim? So again, in Tamid it just lists them in order. It says, Talaim Chosamas Besamokad Lechem Apanim. So if, so says the Gemara as follows, Umishaninon, right, we had an issue. According to, if we assume that we go, as Rashi explains here, what Rashi says here, right, Rashi says that the assumption is like, that in Midos, right, just like in Midos, we go to the right, which is counterclockwise. That in, but in Midos, it actually identifies exactly every corner of what's in every corner. So there's no guesswork. But in Tamid, it starts off with a fixed point, which is the northwest, which we just explained might mean also the southwest, right? It just means northwest because it's very long there. So Tamid says that Tlaim was in the northwest. Then it just lists the Chosamas, the Beis Moka, and then the Lechem Apanim. So the first assumption, as Rashi explains, is that we are going counterclockwise, as we do, because generally speaking, we always walk to the right. And so why would the Mishnah list it any other way but counterclockwise, which is to the right? And therefore, if the Mishnah were to list it that way, the Lechem Apanim, whereas in Midos it's in the southeast, if you go and you list it according to the, the, the way it says it in Masechus Tamid, the Lechem Apanim would end up in the northeast, not in the southeast. So from that, that's how, uh, the, that's how Ravada, right, Berei de Rav Yitzchak is going to try to explain that that only is going to work if the Talayim, in fact, even though it says northwest in Tamid, it means south, um, southwest. Let's see how that works as follows. He says, we said, we had a machlokas lechem aponim, lechem aponim. And as Rashi explains, it's because we thought that it was going to be in this, in the, um, either in, in, in the, in the northeast in Tamid and in the southeast in Midos, umeshaninan, and the art scroll points out, mishaninan, we had an answer. Rashi says, this is not an answer you'll find anywhere in Shas. Um, this is an answer that somebody said in Yeshiva as follows. The answer was, Unbelievable. So now I'm going to lay it out for you. You ready? As follows. Um, the first question I had when I read this was the issue again. The issue again. In when it came with respect to Talaim, we said that Tamid said it was in the north and Mido said it was in the south, and the reconciliation was that there was one just long office across the west. So we have the same problem 
it, that we assume that we have the same problem with regards to the lechem aponim. Those are the only two that are the same in those two mesechtas. Lechem aponim too, in Midos, it's definitely in the southeast. In Tom, it sounds like it's in the northeast. So my question was, why don't we just give the same answer, that it was just one long office along the eastern side? Um, <coughs> Tosus asks that, and then then gives you all kinds of reasons that spill onto the next daf, I mean, to Ahmed Bey's. So, I was happy to see the question, but the, the answer is, 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 can be complicated. Why did they not, why did they not have the same answer for the Lechem Panim that they did for the time? And so Tosfos, uh, gives uh, several attempts at answers. Be that as it may, the Gemara says a different answer. The Gemara says the following. This is unbelievable. He says that the response in the yeshiva, the hak in the yeshiva in the base medrash was that the machlokas between Midos and Tamid was that in Midos you go counterclockwise and in Tamid you go clockwise. And as the Gemara is now going to say, that only works if you actually hold that your starting point is the southwest. This is all a long way of saying that that even Tamid, where it says it's northwest, it means more that it's originated in the southwest, just extends onto the northwest. So as we turn to Yudzayin Amad Beis, we're going to go through that cheshbon as follows. Says the Gemara. This whole idea of the machlokas uh, between Tamid and um, Midos being whether you go clockwise or counterclockwise only works if the starting point of the Tzlaim is in the southwest. Why? Because if you say that you start in the southwest, then the lechem aponim actually can fall out, can in fact fall out in the same place um, between Midos and Tamid. And here you got to look at your chart and follow, me, follow, follow with me here because we have to say it outside. This is what I meant. We have like uh, every line, you have to like do a lot of explanation. So as follows, as follows. Again, the list in Masechah's Tamid is so any way you slice it, lechem aponim is going to be right next to the tzalayim. Okay. Now in midos it's fixed. In midos the lechem aponim is the last one, but it's in the midos it's the tzalayim is in the southwest and the lechem aponim is in the, is in the southeast. Right. So they are next to each other along the south wall. Fine. In so okay in tamid. Right, lechem aponim is last, is mentioned last. Okay, so if lechem aponim is mentioned last, if Tlaim was in the northwest, then lechem aponim ends up in the northeast, not in the southeast. But in Midos, it's fixed. In Midos, lechem aponim is in the southeast. So how are you going to get a situation where the Tlaim are where they're supposed to be, both in Tamid and Midos, consistent? So that we already said, it was one long office, said it a million times. Now, the Lechem Aponim. How are you going to get the Lechem Aponim in the southeast office to match up what it says in Midos, where it's fixed in the southeast? So watch this. Start with Tlaim. Now, if you go clockwise, clockwise with Tlaim, that, that was what I, that's what the number two means. If you go to the clockwise, then you end up with Chosamos Besamokad Lechem Aponim, because that's the or, list, that's the order of the list in Masechus Tamid. And you end up with the Lechem Aponim, in the southwest corner. That's not good. That's where the Tzlaim were in Midos. Elamai. Aha. So what they said in the yeshiva was, no, 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 no. Don't put the Tzlaim in the northwest as I did over there by Masechus Tamid. Put the Tzlaim as if it's in the southwest. Now go clockwise. If you go with the Tzlaim and you start counting 
from, and you start going clockwise from the southwest, so pretend you're in Masechus Midos where the climb is in the southwest. If you put the climb in the southwest and you start going clockwise, you'll get Chosamos, Besamokab, and bang, Lechem upon him lands right in the southeast just as it does in Masechus Midos. That is what we are saying in the Gemara here. So now we'll read it inside again. The whole point here is to reconcile Midos and Tomid. And Midos definitely says that Lechem upon him is in the southeast. So if Lechem upon him is in the southeast and you start with assuming that Midos also sees, that Tamid also sees the Tulaim as originating in the southwest, now count clockwise, not counterclockwise like you would think. Counterintuitive is clockwise, which is to say you're walking to the left. Count all the offices listed in the Mishnah and you'll see that the last one is the Lechem upon him, and it'll land in the southeast just like it does in the Masechus Midos. So it says inside here, That's how you understand that both Lechem upon him ends up in the southeast in both of them. But if you said that the Tzlaim actually originated in the northwest, as we assumed, based on just the words of Masechus um, Tamid, sof sof, ma'ite roots of the lechem upon him. How are you going to have lechem upon him, right? You're going to have a conflict between Midas and Tamid. So in fact, from that we see that even though Maseches, right, Tamid said that the Tulaim were in the northwest, what they really meant was that it extends to the northwest, but it's really considered as the office in the southwest. There is an office to the north of it, along the west side, even according to Maseches Tamid. And now you just count, right? And now you're just going to count clockwise, and you're going to go to, you're going to walk to the left, count clockwise, and you're going to end up with the Lechem upon him in the southeast corner, just as it is in Maseches Midos. And now we've managed to reconcile Maseches Tamid with Maseches Midos. Perhaps it's all of Belazim and Yaakov. The only question then is, what gives us the right to go clockwise instead of counterclockwise? Don't we have a principle you're supposed to walk to the right when in doubt? Like, in other words, the, who, who would ever, who, like, in other words, why would the author of Maseches uh, Tamid write the offices in the order that they would be going clockwise as if somebody was walking to the left? What would be the reason for that? Says the Gemara. Ay, v'ha'amar mar. Kol pino shatapone lohiyu el min didn't we say that whenever you're counting them, you're supposed to go to the right, which would be counterclockwise? So the Gemara responds, Hani mili voda. That's when you're actually walking the walk. here. But here we're just talking the talk. In other words, when you're walking, then you, and you're in doubt, always go to the right. But when you're listing offices, you're not actually walking. You're not really turning to the right. You're just listing offices. Now, why would they do that? And in an order that's opposite of the way you would walk is a different question. But you see how badly we want to reconcile this, that we're willing to say that for whatever reason we listed it opposite in the way that you would walk, we're allowed to do that because we're just listing it. We're just talking the talk. And so we're willing to say that for whatever reason we're doing it clockwise just in order to keep Midos and Tamid uh, consistent. So we really stood on our head to keep those offices consistent. Uh, but now that we understand it well, Andrew, I'm going to enlist you as a consultant 
to the base of Mikdash when we build it, and you're going to tell us where all the offices go. Uh, I have a feeling Andrew's going to end up with a big corner office. What can I tell you? Um, that's just the way he rolls, and he deserves it. Well deserved. Okay. That thus marks the end of Masechus Tamid here. That was the shtickle. Now we're in the two dots on Yudzayin Mabez, nine lines down, and we're back in Masechus Yuma. Welcome back, everybody. And a totally different topic, the topic of the Kohen Gadol. Once we're talking about the ter- Kohen Gadol, we're back on this topic of what? The idea of the Kohen Gadol being the BMOC, big man on campus. This is not just on Yom Kippur, mind you. This is all throughout the year. He could show up like the big man on campus and basically take, take the other Kohanim's lunch money. Here, watch this. Tanar And you know, in the Bayes Shani, these weren't great guys. There were, a lot of them were major Amaratsim. They didn't know anything. All they knew was that they paid good money for this kavod. And so they were going around taking the lunch money from all the other kohanim and exerting their... I mean, look at the kavod that, that, that's, that's afforded this kohen gadol. It was intoxicating. Check this out. Tanar This is a brysa that says the following. Ketan makrev chelik barosh. What does it mean that kohen gadol can exercise the, his right to, to offer any korban he wishes? As follows. Omer olazu ani makrev. You know, he sees his fellow Kohen be, um, you know, bringing an animal. He says, ah, oh, Yishikoyach Shmerel for bringing that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be makar of it, okay? Okay, step aside. Minchazu ani makrev. Or somebody's coming over with some carbs. He says, yeah, let me take that basket. I'm going to be makar of this. Okay, that's what it means. It says makrev chelik barosh. Says, says the b'risa. Keta noitil chelik barosh. What does it mean when he takes his right to take any of the first portion? So, Oimer, he says, Chatas zu says, Oh, Shmerel, you're back. You already sacrificed your chatas, and now you already roasted it to perfection. Wow, that looks good. You know what? Uh, I'm going to have this for dinner. Thank you. Thank you. Go away now. Asham ze'ani ochel. Or, you know, carbon asham. This is my lunch. Thank you. Okay, that is another thing that he could do. In other words, and the Rambam in Maiseher Korbanos says, the Kohen Gadol could take food for himself without having to divide it with anyone. It's literally all you can eat. He can eat everything all year long. Okay, he doesn't have to share those korbanos with anybody. So a lot of a lot of clout here. This is BMOC. Now, and says the Brisa continues. He can take one of the two chalas. What what are these two chalas? Well. Today is only the 31st day of the Omer, so we're like a little more, we're like two and a half weeks off, but this is a reference to the Shtelechem of Shavuos. It's a calendrical coincidence, right? By us, it's night and day if it's two and a half weeks off. But it used to be, like this last cycle, Arya Leibowitz would have lost his mind from how close this is to Shavuos. Anyways, what's the point? You have Shtelechem. How many, okay, this is, this is going to be rough, so Andrew, I want you to put your thinking cap on. How many breads are there in the Shtelechem? Ah, so the lechem upon him is 12, that's correct. But the shtei lechem is 2. <laughs> so, okay, no, but that's important. That actually, be, that math becomes the basis of the rest of our daf, as follows. Uh, the shtei lechem has two breads. Now, the price says, that the coin gadol has right not to both breads. In other words, unlike the karbonus, we has rights to an unlimited amount of it, Right? The, when it comes to the breads, he can only take one of the shtei This is going to become very 
critical. Okay. Um, then it says that's the shtei halechem of only only in Shavuos you have that. Now, as you pointed out, Andrew, every Shabbos you get the lechem upon him, which is twelve loaves, as you said. So arba o chamesh ma'isel lechem upon him, right? So you take from that the Brisa says you could take four or five, okay? And then it says Rebbe Omer lalom chamesh. Now Rebbe says no, you can only take five. Shenem arva ha'isel Aaron uluvanov because somehow the pasuk. When it says, it implies an equality there. It implies um, income equality, as it were, for all Kohanim, where you have both the Kohen Gadol, represented by Aaron, and the rest of the Kohanim, represented by Aaron's children, splitting it down the, down the middle, as the Gemara continues to say, right? that this means, it has to be only half. Now, Rebbe says that equals five. Now the Gemara is going to ask, this math is all whack, right? First of all, he's taking exactly half of the lechem upon it. He's taking exactly half of the shteh lechem because he's taking one out of two. And then it says four or five. So the Gemara is going to ask, what does this mean, four or five? Is it four or is it five? And then Rebbe says it's exactly half, which is to say five. Well, wait a minute. You and I both know, you can't get this pious, that half of 12 is what? Six. I did that, well, no, I did, I did in my head, net, well, I didn't have to, I used a calculator last night when I was preparing. Okay, so half of 12 is six, so why are we saying five? So, this is all, all these questions the Gemara is going to ask. Ha gufa kasha, we have some issues with this b'risa. First of all, amat nolsel chala achas mishtei chalas, mani. Who's the one that holds that you're taking half? That's Rebbe he, the amar palga shakil. Okay, so that is Rebbe, because Rebbe, at the end of the b'risa, has a source that you that the coin Gadol and the children and the rest of the Kohanim split it exactly in half. So that makes sense, right? Half and half, one bread for me, one bread for everyone else. Fine. Ema Mitsiyasa, however, the middle section of the Brisha says, Arba Ochamesh, He says the coin Gadol only gets four or five. Well, we know that half will be six. So where will you get four or five? And not only that, So I can understand. That sounds like according to Rabbanon. Okay, I'll give it away now. There's a machlokas Rebbe in the Rabbanon as to whether the coin Gadol gets exactly half or just shy of half, right? In other words, when the Pasuk says, Vaisal Aaron, right, Ulevanov, it's basically saying that it's a joint ownership. So some will say, Rebbe says, joint ownership means half and half. But, you know, like when I work in the orthodontist office, I'll give it away. I actually, uh, me and my host, split it 50-50. But a lot of orthodontists who go to uh, ortho- work in, in general dental offices, they'll say, hey man, I'm doing all the work. So I get 70 and you get 30, right? So here the Kohen Gadol isn't doing any of the work, right, so to speak. In other words, the Kohanim are busy running around doing the work. The Kohen's getting his, his share. So to that, right, Rabbanan said, that's not fair Right, I'm a Rebbe guy. I say, you know what, 50-50. You guys do all the work, I'll get 50%. In this analogy, the Kohen Gadol is the general dentist that's hosting the orthodontist. So orthodontist running around doing the work. Kohen Gadol gets 50% and, 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 the, or, and the rest of the Kohanim get 50%. That's how I roll, I'm like a Rebbe guy. But the Rabbanon, they say that's not fair. In that analogy, the general dentist again is the Kohen uh, Gadol. And the Kohanim are doing all the work, and the Kohanim are doing all the work. Yes, the Kohen Gadol gets his cut, but he's, it's not fair for it to be 50-50. It should be just shy of 50-50. That's a Shittas Rabbanu. Oh. So again, 
What did the Brisa say? We could even say it outside. It said, for the Lechem, for the Shtea Lechem, it's half and half. For, and then it says, for the Lechem upon him, it's four and five. So half and half sounds like it's a Rebbe guy. Four and five sounds like, like it's a Rabbanon. And then Rebbe comes in, and says, five, because it's half and half. So that's what the Gemara is asking. He says, first of all, right, the beginning, it sounds exactly like Rebbe. Then in the middle, it says four and five. That sounds like the Rabbanon, right? It goes according to the Rabbanon who says that the general dentist should get less than half. So the, or, or in this case, the Kohen Gadol should get less than half. So Ema Seifa, and then we go to the end of the Brisa, and then all of a sudden, Rebbe Oimer Lalom Chamesh. Rebbe Bichod Atzma says, no, it's five. So Reish of a Seifa Rebbe, so you're going to say, okay, the first one with the Shtei Alechem is Rebbe. The end is Rebbe, clearly, because it says Befeir, so it's Rebbe. And it's also Rabbanon, and in the middle, it's going to be Rabbanon, Pachking with the four and five. So what kind of structure is this to a Brisa? A Brisa that has multiple authors switching back and forth, this doesn't make any sense. So now we're going to offer two suggestions as to how to reconcile and read this Brisa. One by Abaye, that's going to sound very logical. And then Rava is going to rip him to shreds, grind him up, and throw his ashes over across the Kinneret with his pshat, uh, metaphorically, with his pshat. And so we're going to have the pshat of Abaye and Rava. Let's start with Abaye. Amar Abaye. Abaye says, Reshem that in fact, it's true, that the beginning and the middle section is Rabbanon. Well, wait, wait a minute. How can it be Rabbanon? It says in the beginning that you give exactly half. You give one of the two loaves to the Kohen Gadol. So how, how can you say that it's Rabbanon? Because it follows. Because it says, Umodu Rabbanon Beprusa. The reason why the Rabbanon agree to give the Kohen Gadol one whole roll is the Lav Archar, the Mesur the Kohen Gadol. Because it's not appropriate, it's not their Eretz, to give the coin gadol like a piece of a roll. What are you going to give him, like a quarter of a baguette? Or even a half a baguette? Or three quarters of it? He has to get a mechubed whole roll. That's the point, okay? It's like my, um, my uh, sister-in-law, Miriam, is hilarious. And, a lot, and, and my friend, Stephen Glenn, always says, the funniest things happen to the funniest people. So she, she dated some guy who once took him, she thought he was a little self-absorbed and she didn't continue dating him because, first of all, he took her to a ranger game. She knows nothing about sports altogether, certainly not hockey, and he just wanted to go to a hockey game. This is like a first or a second date. He just wanted to go to a hockey game, so he figured he'll kill two birds with one stone, he'll bring the girl to the hockey game. But to add insult to injury, when she got to said hockey game where he ignored her and just watched the game the whole time, he said, you know, I bought us a, like a foot-long hoagie for us to eat, because he's supposed to take the girl out to dinner. But he said, I already ate mine, so my half. So here's a half, he gave her half a sandwich. So that's not really covered to give your date a half a sandwich. So similarly, the coin gadol, you don't just give him a half a sandwich. You're supposed to give him, you know, half eaten. You're supposed to, even if you break it off, and let's say he didn't bite into it, right? It's supposed to give him a chubat full roll. So what's the Gemara saying as follows? The end of the Bryce, the end of the Bryce is certainly Rabban, is certainly Rebbe rather, right? Because the Bryce itself says that it's Rebbe. But at least it's consistent. In other words, then it's a normal consistent structure where the first part is Rabbanon who says that you first give one of the two to the coin gadol, and then the second half, the middle, is also the rabbanon who say that you give the coin gadol four or five from the lechem upon him, and then it says, and Rebbe says you give five. That's a normal structure, says Abaye. The only thing he has to answer is why is the right according if it's according to the rabbanon, why is he getting a full 
roll out of the two in the first section? And the answer is because, after all, you don't give anybody a half a roll. We would normally give him less than 50%, but we would have to give him less than one full roll to do that. So fine, we'll give him a whole roll. That is... Uh, that is Abaya's explanation. And then he just asked the answer. My arba o chamesh. Okay, but then what is this indecision? Why are you saying four or five? That's not very specific. Like, when is it four and when is it five? So to that, Abaya would answer. So we're still going to uh, stay consistent with Abaya's vision. We're on Yudches and Aleph now. We're still going to consistent with Abaya's vision that it is, in fact, right... Uh, going to be the Rabbanan. However, the Rabbanan, Darmi Nichnas, Noitel Sheish, Viyotse, Noitel Sheish, Uskar Hagafas, Losus Lo, Mishdemus Rebai Miflag. Right? In other words, like this. With regards to the different, um, right, uh, rotations that they had, there is a machlokes within that. What's the machlokes? You have outgoing and incoming rotating Kohanim. Now, the Incoming rotating Kohanim are going to have the task of closing the doors. The task of closing the doors of Beis HaMikdash at night. Close the door on the way out. Now closing the door on the way out is a big to-do. And for that, we pay a surcharge. We give them extra. We give them, a, we give them some extra bread for that service. That's called schar hagafos de losos. Right? That you give extra loaves of bread... For the, for the task of closing the doors. How many? Two. So out of, right, out of 12, you're gonna give them, you're gonna give them right off the top. You're gonna take, it's like we're gonna pay the lab fee off the top, and then we're gonna split it 50-50. I do that in some of my offices too. So what's the lab fee off the top? The two shtey alechem. So now we know how we get to five, right? Five and four is if you hold that you, that you give this tip, so then we're good. In other words, like this. According to the Rabbanon, it says that there should be, right, six and six. Uschar hagafos hadlasos lo. And you don't give extra tip to those who are going to close the doors, the incoming, right, crew the, of Kohanim. Mishdemis rebayim iflog. So it should be, according to the Rabbanon, who say that you don't give that tip, it should be six and six. It shouldn't be five or four. So, however, Batsir chadami palga. Now subtract one loaf from half to accommodate the, the shitas rabbanon that, that says, right, that, again, we're not within Rebbe. According to, right, according to Abaye, the first and the second part, the, the Bryce has three parts. According to Abaye, the first and second part are the rabbanon. So it makes sense. So, chadam mipalga, chamesh shakil. So, what Abaye is explaining as follows. Five makes sense, right? Why do you do five? Because five reflects the opinion of the Rabbanon that says that we don't give a tip for closing the gates. That's how you arrive at five. How do you arrive at four? That's, says the Gemara, right, that those who are, um, that are coming in are going to in fact get a tip for having the task of closing the doors at night. Therefore, no tel sheva. They get seven out of five. This is another way of saying, no tel sheva is another way of saying that they get a two loaf tip. They get a two bread loaf tip. So it's a seven and five. Aha. So once you do that, seven, once you take, so it's, it's confusing. It says, Nichnas Notel Sheva. What it really means is, Shtaim says the Gemara, Bishar Hagafas Lassos. Aha. So once you give two as a tip to the incoming, according to Rabbi Yehuda, so what ends up happening is you only have 10 left to split. Now, remember, according to Abaye, the first two portions of the Brisa are, are not, 
splitting it equally because it's Rabbanon. So when you're doing it out of six, in other words, when you're doing it out of 12 because you hold like the Rabbanon that you don't give a tip, then you're going to end up with five, right? Because you're not going to do it six and six. You do it inequally. You, the, the general dentist is only getting less than 50%. So you're going to get five when you don't tip. When you do tip, now you've tipped two loaves. Now you have a total of 10. Split that in half, it would be five. We don't give a full half if we can avoid it. That's how we get to four. So according to Abaye, the Brysa is reflecting the, it's consistently in the first and the second part of the Brysa. In both of them, it's according to the Rabbanon that you don't give equal tips. You give a little less to the coin gadol. However, you don't give equal amounts. You give a little less to the coin gadol. However, the five and four is manifest from the fact that you do what? That you don't tip according to the Rabbanon, right? In the, uh, five scenario, and then that's where the coin gets five. And according to Rabbi Huda, where you do tip, that's where you end up with four. So that's what it says. Rabbi Huda, Dharma, Nichnas, Noitel, Sheva, which means you get a tip of two, Shtayim, Bishar, Gafas, Lasas, and there, Vyotsev, Noitel, Chamesh, then the outgoing would get five, Me'eser, Bay, Miflag, because you're actually splitting ten and a half, and therefore, Batsir, Chadami, Palga, and again, this is a sheet of the Rabbanon where you're not giving him exactly the, uh, the same, you're giving him one less. Vishakil Arba. That's how you arrive at four. That was Abaye. So again, Abaye has the first and second Rabbanon. Last thing is Rebbe. Bada bing, bada boom. Now Rava Amar, Rava is going to argue with this. He's going to say, no. Kula Rebbe. The entire Bryce has one author, and that author is Rebbe, who again, as we said, holds that it's 50-50 split, no matter what. You always, the coin gun can get exactly uh, half. So half goes to the general dentist, half goes to the orthodontist in our analogy. So we're Rebbe guys. So how are you going to explain this Mishnah? Again, the first half of the Mishnah makes sense, right? The first, the first, the, the th- not half, the first uh, third of the Brisa where you get, do half and half, one loaf each from the Shtei makes perfect sense. And the end, we're going to have to explain why it's five and not six. And we're also going to have to explain what's five and four. So let's see. So Rav Amar Kula Rebihi. So everything's according to Rebbe, where the coin gadol is entitled to exactly half. Yehuda, and Rebbe follows the sheet of Rebbe Yehuda that we do give the incoming crew a tip, the incoming kohanim a tip for closing the doors. That's how we're going to arrive at five at the end, right? Because once you split in ten, it's five and five. But we're going to have to explain the middle. In other words, the first makes perfect sense because it's one and one, as Rashi explains. The end makes perfect sense because you're giving a tip according to Rebbe Yehuda, and it's five and five. So that's good. That's Rebbe saying five. What's this four and five in the middle? Why are you saying, why are you even giving the possibility of four? If you say that the Kohen Gadol and the Kohanim are splitting it exactly in half, where do you come up with four? Says the Gemara, Lo Kasha, Ha Ika Mishmar Hamis Akev, Ha Deleka Mishmar Hamis Akev. It all has to do with whether you have what's called a Mishmar Hamis Akev. What's a Mishmar Hamis Akev? That's the Kohanim hanging around. Why would they hang around? So let's say you have Erev Pesach Shechalios B'Shabbos, like we had this past year. So what are you going to do? You're there for Shabbos, but then you can't go home. It's Pesach. It's Yantiv. So that's called Mishmar HaMisakev. When you have no choice but to stick around, so we give extra bread to the Kohanim in that scenario. So when there's a Mishmar HaMisakev, you're, you're going to be splitting not 10 loaves, but eight loaves, and that's how you get to four, says the Gemara. So then you give another two loaves to the Kohanim that had to stay around from the previous rotation. You give them an extra two loaves. 
and therefore you only left with eight, and then you're going to split that in half as Rebbe does, Vishakil Arba, and that's where you take four. You like a Mishmar Misakev, then Mi'eser Bari Lemiklag Vishakil Chamesh, right? Bari Lemiklag, and therefore you still hold like Rebbe Yudah, you give the tip, but you only have ten loaves left, and you split it exactly in half, and you take five. So says the Gemara, Ihachi, my Rebbe Yomer, Le'olam Chamesh. So why do we have this last shtickle of the Brisa where Rebbe says, you always get five? What happened to the Mishmar Misakev? Says the Gemara, Kasha. That's, that's a good Kasha. <laughs> Not bad. That's a fair point. And so we arrived at the Mishnah on Yerches Amid Aleph where Bezrat Hashem, we will continue tomorrow.